Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of the University of Johannesburg Center for African Foreign Policy and Diplomacy. Good morning, Kobus. Good morning. And uh, we're joined again this week, all week, where she's with us, uh, is uh, Yushan Wu of the, Cent- of the South African Institute of International Affairs, where she's a researcher in the Global Powers in Africa program. And if you're at all involved in the China-Africa story and follow anything that goes on, you will have bumped into her Twitter feeds, her reports, and her even her conferences from time to time. And she's one of the leading experts on uh, Chinese soft power and Chinese media in Africa. And that is going to be our focus today on the show, where last our last show uh, on Monday, we talked about uh, the focus on the South African market. And in some ways, the South African market is distinct from the rest of the continent. But in other ways, it's not because China has very, very big ambitions for its media agenda in Africa, uh, both in a public context and in a private capacity as well. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the big picture, uh, the billions and billions of dollars that China is investing in in African media. And is it having any effect? Uh, Yushan, you were just recently uh, at, at a conference in uh, in Germany, which is a Deutsche Welle at the Global Media Forum, where you actually were kind of asked to kind of talk about the big picture of, of China-Africa media. What was your, your thesis there? Um, well, it was a really interesting experience. Um, I think, you know, I'm a researcher at a foreign policy think tank, and um, so it's always nice to be going to a media um, conference. It's uh, different from my day-to-day work, and it was interesting to uh, meet journalists and um, hear what they had to say. Not as boring um, as those but- academic conferences, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well... I think they were expecting me to come with a very academic angle and um, it was very nice that, you know, it's um, to engage with them and hear what they see and what I see. So um, from a personal perspective as well. Okay. But the, the actual, yeah. Let's see, what, what did you say and what did they see? So let's start with what did you say? <laughs> okay, so the, the panel I was on was called um, something like New Media Players in New Media Markets. So um, it was very interesting. I was sitting on a panel with um, myself, a South African, um, Mark Kaigwa, who's from Kenya, and then um, someone from Tunisia and someone else from Libya. So it was really, you know, a a broader picture of um, what's happening in Africa. So that was the new media market. So, um, yeah, I think um, similar to the the paper on um, China's um, state media dynasty that I wrote last year, um, I was really providing the larger context because... As much as I think I've spoken about this a lot, I think it's still very new for a lot of people. Um, they don't know that China is engaging its media in, in Africa or what exactly it's doing. So, you know, you get a lot of similar questions that come up. But I'd also say um, what is very encouraging is um, you're starting to see, um, you know, the more traditional media players recognizing and um, you know, they actually explicitly saying that um, there are rising new media players. And um, there was actually a keynote speaker by one of the German policymakers. And they actually said, you know, there there are um, players like Al Jazeera, CCTV, Iran, um, who who have their own um, media. And they also talked about how there is actually high quality um, degree of professionalism. Um, And they're also realizing that a lot of the traditional players um, are cutting back on funding. So, you know, it's something very interesting to, to see at a global media forum that we are recognizing that there are 
um, shifts and, and changes. But what is interesting is with these shifts and um, flows of, um, of new players, there's also counterflows. Yeah. So what, so what was their reaction? And I'm, I'm curious about this because uh, in, my, in my former life, I was uh, the editor-in-chief of France 24's digital group. Uh, and France 24 is one of the major players in Africa media. They are part of the uh, France Media Monde, which is uh, France's global uh, external media, publicly financed. And uh, they really – their sphere of influence is Francophone Africa and also uh, in the Arab-speaking part of Africa as well. And, um, and, and every time I brought up the issue of China's growing presence, it was summarily dismissed. I mean it was just – they completely just said, oh, it's propaganda. It's not – no one's going to watch it. It's just it's, – it's nothing compared to what we do. And there was a little bit of that French arrogance that was there. That said, yeah. in the French – uh, in, in Francophone Africa, uh, RFI, Radio France International, remains extraordinarily powerful. Um, and, and France 24 also is, is still heavily, you know, you know, has a lot of market penetration in the Francophone world. So I'm curious to, to see, you know, what their reaction was when you talked about, uh, you know, the Chinese media in Africa, in part because in places like Europe, China is often regarded as that boogeyman. And they're, they're taking over, you know, they're colonizing, they're imperialism, all those, those buzzwords that we hear so much. And yeah. this, this is the kind of thing that can scare Westerners a little bit. What was the reaction yeah. that you got from, uh, from the, at the forum? Well, I was actually quite surprised that um, it, uh, you know, I, I, I was um, expecting more comments like that or more antagonism towards the, the topic. But I mean, I mean, you do get the the normal, you know, the questions that often come up is, um, you know, China is coming. What does this mean? Um, and my answer to that is always, you know, while we talk about this, we forget that there is African agency, and that um, you have the, the there's a changing African context as well. That you know, we leapfrogging technology. That we're we're using more mobile mobile phones. Um, that we're becoming a market, and we also have a mind of our own. So you know, from this, China is is coming, and they're going to. Um, have all this influence on, on Africa is, is not true. Um, so sometimes that does come up. There's also a lot of concern by, I guess, um, from at the forum and also, I guess, for, for African Africans is that um, they, they're worried that the complicated internal um, issues inside um, China um, gets translated to their external engagements. So that, that question came up. Again, and um, I think they were just very interested also in the influence because I had compiled the table, um, as you know, from from my paper last year on on um, what China was in, investing in or engaging in in African media, and I talked about the technical um, infrastructure, um, media infrastructure that they're providing to content and exchanges between journalists. So I think they were quite um, quite surprised that there was such a large engagement and they focused a lot on that. And I think it's because um, traditional players not only provide, um, it's, it's basically com- competition because they not only provide content, you know, if we're talking about the, the French or um, BBC or Deutsche Welle, but they also provide media training to journalists. Um, I know Deutsche Welle does this. Um, France, does, so France 24 I, does as well, yeah. Yeah, so I think in that way it's it's not different, but you are you know there's a different point of view coming coming through, and I think one area where it's becoming quite competitive is the technical aspect. That um, you know, for example, Huawei um, 
that they're helping Africa build their mobile um, mobile networks, and um, it's, it's very difficult to compete with. That's, so it's more, uh, you, yeah. Just one quick point on that uh, on those training things. Those are not done out of benevolence. You know, one of the the, you know, the dirty little secrets of these uh, training programs by government-run media is that the, the French aid agency or the EU aid programs will give uh, aid, aid money to various TV networks that then have to go contract back to the, the home government for very expensive training. So it's just a circulating of money from the aid to the back home to Paris for, yeah. for a – it's really a racket to, to say the least. But uh, Cobus, let's – not surprising Cobus, you know, but nonetheless, let's let's kind of step back and give the 30,000-mile view, 30,000-foot view of view of it. The, the main attention that people focus on is, of course, CCTV. CCTV, uh, I think, is about 18 months ago, set up its operations in Nairobi. One of the things that it did was it broke from its past where it had – and still in China it does this – the most god-awful anchors you've ever seen who speak English as a second language. Uh, it makes the most terribly boring program, and they broke from that tradition. And what they did was they went to a lot of Kenyan media and hired away some of the top presenters and anchors. They then hired around journalists around the continent as well, and all of a sudden it starts to look like an African network. One of the things that I've noticed by watching CCTV Africa is that on some stories, they're really good. I mean, just some of the coverage is excellent. And then on some of the other stories, the ones about China, which is the ones you would expect them to kind of be strong on, you know, the quality of the coverage is just awful. And so it kind of raises this question again about the content. So, you know, China Daily is now in Africa. CCTV is in Africa. We're seeing now the, the, the growth of Chinese social networks and search engines coming into Africa. What does the content say about all, what uh, these experiments? Yeah, I think I think what the content for me one of one of the issues is that the content in, increases complexity in 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 the media in African media discourse. Um, you know, so you know, kind of as CCTV comes in, they obviously they to to a certain extent they um, they're getting a lot of their of the their new kind of interface. They're basically aping CNN, you know, the BBC, Al Jazeera. You're pretty much seeing uh, the development of an international kind of visual interface that says. 24-hour news, you know, which which includes um, multicultural hosts, um, you know, kind of with, uh, you know, with very smooth kind of English accents, um, you know, kind of very lots of graphics and and so on. So you know, so so they're they're slotting into a kind of a visual narrative that has already been set up, you know, kind of by other players, Um, and you know, with so so you kind of when, when you watch that. You have to sift through all of that to kind of get get to the issues that that directly relate to China. The way that when you watch, you know, another big play in South Africa in, in Southern Africa on, on satellite TV is um, is Russian, you know, twenty four hour news. It's the RT um, network. RT network, and um, you know, kind of the, that's a very similar situation. They also they they, they hired a, some South Africans that have a very international crew, um, you know, and and you know they have certain biases. But you know, to get to those biases, you need to you're sitting through hours and hours of programming that that is the standard kind of 24 hour news reporting. You know, kind of where what's going on in Syria, and occasionally, you know, some some of that would have a slant, and some of it wouldn't. But it's you know, you you need to be a pretty much a full-time researcher to kind of to to pull out that slant and i think in the case of china obviously sensitivities 
relate to issues around China. You know, yeah. kind of so, um, so, so a certain percentage of it is going to just simply be another voice in 24-hour news and certain of it is going to be that you need to have a second and third opinion. How do you think, uh, Yushan, how do you think Africans, particularly in Kenya and some of the major markets, look at CCTV Africa? When they see that show come on, they produce an hour a night, uh, they produce uh, a news program and then they have a talk show. How, how do you think that's regarded among the African public, which I suspect is a different perception than it is among the international public? Mm. Um, well, I was speaking to a journalist, actually, that um, visited uh, um, Nairobi and, and CCTV, and they were saying what was interesting is speaking to some of the, the Kenyan public is that they didn't know what CCTV stood for. And I think the thing is, the more you become um, almost seemingly international, the more credible you are. Because if we look at, um, you know, the successful, uh, I believe the successful news media um, are those whose um, origins you can't point out. So I think that that's that's one thing. But um, we get CCTV here. Um, to be honest, I don't. I don't know a lot of people who who watch it. I I watch it. Um, obviously, from a research point of view, point of view, um, and and actually another journalist from South Africa that I, that I was speaking to, um, you know, she was saying, yeah, you know, we, um, she's tired of um, watching news about how African leaders are bad, that the culture is backwards, and um, so it's actually important to have different points of view. But then I asked her, do you, so do you watch CCTV? And she said no. Yeah. Well, it's still so. a relatively new brand. And the Chinese, and Kobus, you and I have talked about this on a number of different occasions, uh, you know, they're good at building things. They're terrible at marketing them. So I think this is another, yeah. uh, another case uh, that they've built and they spent all this money. But, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of dancing around the, the edges here of, of the central issue. And, and Kobus, this was brought mm-hmm. up by the, the South China Morning Post newspaper about whether or not the, the billions of dollars that the official Chinese government, this is official media, not unofficial media, private media, is investing in Africa, is it actually worth it? Uh, particularly if nobody nobody knows about it. I mean, Yushan knows about mm-hmm. it, but she's in the business. But, you know, if you, if you walk down the street of, of Johannesburg and ask 10 people if they know what CCTV is and they've actually watched it, you know, it's that tree falling in the forest kind of thing. Kobus, do you think, um, what was your thought on that South China Morning Post article about whether or not this is actually worth it? Yeah, this this actually you know kind of dovetailed a little bit with research I did earlier this year, um, where I, I did a did a basic questionnaire with a bunch of students at at the University of Johannesburg who all have DSTV satellite TV in their houses. It's it's a, it's very interesting to see how satellite TV is becoming TV in South Africa. You know, kind of this, the the kind of terrestrial traditional state owned TV in South Africa is is losing is losing you know kind of territory very quickly, and we, if if you have a full DSV package, that means you have two CCTV channels. One is, is, is you know, kind of English language CCTV with, with a certain amount of African content and one is Mandarin language. And um, which means, you know, you just need to actually, you know, point your remote to your TV and they, there it is. And I asked them whether any of them had actually ever watched it and none have. Yeah. Um, and that and mirrors my exp- relates to I'm yeah, sorry, but that um, mirrors my experience in the United States as well. CCTV is on all the major satellite packages, uh, and yet I have yet to meet a single person who's actually ever watched it. Not one. Not even people interested in China even watch it. I mean, it's just, and so this seems to, this is not just an African problem. 
But I think this also isn't necessarily even just a CCTV problem. I think it's a news problem. Yeah. I think I think one of one of the issues, um, you know, kind of why I think all of this investment might not be generating soft power is that China has a lot of of vested interest in trying to look serious. So you know, kind of they they, they try and look very sober and they and they invest in the most serious, most weighty, symbolically valuable kind of TV that there is, which is twenty four hour news. Um, and obviously, you know, kind of in, if if you're trying to to prove your seriousness and your you know your, the fact that you're a, 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 a an adult player in the world, twenty four hour news is what you invest in. Um, you know, the, the golf did that with with Al Jazeera as well. Um, mm. I don't think that Africans necessarily watch that much news. Um, you know, kind of. So I think the fact that China isn't you know kind of circulating a lot of entertainment media is one of the reasons why it doesn't have such a high profile because people just don't watch that much TV news. Yeah, but entertainment media doesn't solve the same. I mean, it, the problem is that if you imported Chinese entertainment, which, you know, the China Daily will publish every six months about how a group of Tanzanians or a group of Nigerians is loving the latest Chinese drama. I don't believe that for a second. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, entertainment is very, very local in many respects. And so by producing entertainment, maybe with Chinese characters, you know, Chinese you know, actors in it or whatnot, that might actually, you know, help soft power initiatives. But that I'm not sure would is their expertise. It's a very complicated thing to do to produce compelling entertainment. It's much easier to produce yeah. news. Um, you know, but it's interesting what Yushan pointed out earlier about who the key players are. The private sector media, which is, you know, the CNNs of the world are pulling back, you know, and CNN does this, what I just think is some of the most offensive coverage of Africa, which is just, again, you know, either it's starving babies or it's, you know, happy dancing little children. Um, there's very little sophistication and subtlety to what CNN's coverage is. What's interesting about, you know, it's the state-run players that now are the big actors in African media, foreign media, that is Al Jazeera, which of course is setting up Al Jazeera Swahili. They have the Arabic channel. They have obviously Al Jazeera English, which has devoted enormous amount of resources to Africa. You have Russia Today, as you talked about. The, the French are still putting a lot of money in. So, Ushan, one of the things that when we talk about Africa, that's really an inaccurate description of what we're talking about here because Africa is 55 countries. But more importantly, though, it's three major or four major language groups, English, French, Arabic, and Swahili. Um, you know, the Chinese are for the, for the moment now are producing predominantly in English. They do have Arabic and they do have French services, but they haven't devoted a lot of their African resources to those languages. How effective can they be? if they are just broadcasting in English? Um, well, I think there's there's another element that I, I actually wanted to add is um, we're thinking about China's uh, media engagement as also a very directed outward engagement. But, um, you know, I also think putting, putting um, investment into English and Chinese is also actually directed inwards because that's one thing about um, soft power is that it's not only directed, it's also directed at your own public. So I think it's also important for China's own public to know what is going on, what is China doing outside, um, you know, outside its its own um, its own walls. And um, I think it's, it's important because um, as much as, you know, we like to think that China is um, also um, you know, unified. It's it's very multicultural, and I think those are some of the challenges. And sometimes you have to um, explain and 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 um, 
and um, make people believe that it's um, there's actually a unified approach. So I think it's also motivating your own people, and I think this drive is is important for that. That um, your public can see that you have an international drive, um, that you're trying to be an international player. Yeah, I'm, that, I'm, that a little, angle? I'm a little skeptical on that. I don't mean to disagree with you, but you know, the, yeah. the Chinese domestic media market is a lot like the U.S. domestic media market. Mm. Uh, it's mm. so big. Uh, and it's it's just it's focused largely on domestic. It is very very difficult yeah. to get you know the Chinese to understand the outside world. Just like it's very yeah. difficult to get the Americans to understand the outside world, um, you yeah. know. And so I just they're they're very inwardly focused because their markets are so big. Yeah, and no, I mean I, I agree, but that's why when we talk about. Um, you know, in, in my point of view, and often when I, I write or, or talk about these issues, is it comes down to the publics on both sides. The fact that, um, you know, China and Africa are becoming closer in terms of trade and investment and physically closer because of migration, but there are still huge gaps in perceptions. And for me, it seems like because of the commercial drives, it is actually government has the funding and the motivation to, to bring the public closer. And so I think, it, and actually, I think that um, government funding and support for these drives is important, but it is only a catalyst. Um, you know, it's a catalytic factor. And um, what I guess we're, we're questioning now is how do you get beyond that? How do you get the interest? And um, uh, just going back to the Al Jazeera and the Russia Todays is I think we have to think of the African market as an increase in, in players and platforms. And so, for example, when I, I look at South Africa, I think the difficulty for a channel like CCTV is, um, like Koba said, there are so many other choices. And for example, um, I try to put a table together. Um, and if you look at how many international news channels are focusing, you know, topics on specifically Africa, you know, like um, the African marketplace, African voices, African points of view, um, you're not only competing with different players, you now are competing with programs that are trying to look at similar things. Yeah, and you're also, you're also, looking, you're also yeah. in, in, you know, increasingly competing with, with African media there we houses go. and stuff. That's what I was exactly. thinking. Because um, recently, you know, the, an, another a free-to-air um, channel in South Africa called ETV has announced that it is shifting to satellite broadcasts and it is now launching 20 new potential free-to-air channels. And that includes yeah. a certain amount of its, it, it includes its own 24-hour news program, which is South Africa-based, but, you know, launched, you know, kind of beams out across Africa from a South African perspective as well. Yeah, but and I think that, you know, that, that increasingly, you know, that, that's, it, it's a more and more kind of complicated, uh, crowded marketplace. It is, but let me, let me come back to my original question, Kobus. You know, Africa's media market is a highly fragmented market based on not only class questions, you have urban and rural, uh, you have huge language differences. You know, I forgot to include Portuguese in the mix, of course. Portuguese, Arabic, French, Swahili, and English. Uh, and so there's been these dreams of a pan-African media market. Uh, you know, commercial advertisers, think about how many commercial advertisers would want to buy for the entire market. It's not that many, actually. I mean, the Coca-Colas, sure. Uh, some of the Huawei companies, sure. But for the most part, advertising is, is national, regional, or local. 
So it makes it very, very difficult to to build up the sales infrastructure to support some of these pan-African media movements. You know, the Nigerians, one after another of these billionaires, wants to launch a TV network. And, and I, I, you know, Today TV was one of them. And I just, I'm very, very skeptical because I don't think there is a pan-African media market, especially with the direction that Yushan is talking about, that these new platforms of social media and digital media are getting hyper-local. It's going the opposite direction on the Internet. So let me come back to you, Kobus, with my original question. Do you think that these new channels coming out of South Africa have any hope in the fact that, you know, broadcasting to Tunisia, nobody's going to give a crap? Yeah, but I think, you know, kind of your, it's, there already are, you know, ways to, to break that up into regional blocks, you know, kind of, so you don't need to necessarily be hyper local. What you need to do is to be regional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think those, the, that kind of infrastructure is already to a certain extent on its way. Um, you know, and, and at the same time, you, you see the emergence of, of, you know, regional sort of media centers in Africa. So Nigeria for the West, um, Kenya for the East, South Africa for the South. Um, you know, and, and so if you beam out from those three, you're already covering quite a lot. I don't only want to focus on TV for our discussion because I think TV is actually becoming an increasingly a bit player. One of the other major, major inroads that the Chinese are making is through Xinhua, which is the new China news agency. One of the things that Xinhua is doing is they are literally going up to newspapers you know, all throughout the continent, particularly in places like, uh, like Kenya and the English-speaking market, and saying, listen, we'll give you the, free, the feed for free. And for a lot of newspapers, they get the decision about whether they run a piece of content. It's free content. They don't have to pay the expensive license fees for AFP, Reuters, or AP. And this is yet another way that the Chinese are actually making some inroads by actually giving the service away for free. So one of the things you'll notice in, in Africa is check the byline. If you see Xinhua, uh, that's one of those, those, those free deals that's being given away. And that actually helps in, in many ways as well because newspapers are still very, very popular. There's China Radio International. Uh, that is being broadcast in French, Arabic, and English. Now, when I was in, in Kinshasa, we got uh, the French service of China Radio International. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk about uh, Baidu and Tencent. Baidu is making a big push into, uh, in, in, into Africa, tying up with the, the, the mobile operator Orange. Uh, and that is particularly in the Francophone uh, side and the Arabic, uh, Arabophone side of Africa as well. So, Yushan, when you look at the big picture of everything, you know, Tencent, Baidu, uh, mobile phones, Huawei building out the networks, and, and then, you know, obviously CCTV, Xinhua, it's a pretty big mosaic that's coming together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. But, I mean, if we look across, I think we we tend to look at China doing all this, but it's it's not just China. That, um, you know, South Africa is, is a very... Um, you know, we sometimes when you think about South Africa, China, you think of the cooperation, but it's actually a competitor to, to China on the continent. Um, the fact, you know, um, I was just looking that um, there's there's a there's a radio broadcast called Channel Africa, which is South African, and they call themselves, um, you know, their byline is the voice of the African Renaissance, and it's, um, um, you know, it's it's radio, and so I think it's. It's going to be increasingly difficult because I think it's one thing to, um, you know, if we talk about soft power again, to build these um, organizations that are going to influence people. The other question is, you know, what is the reception? Because it's only one thing to build it, but, you you know, um, it's another thing to to get your message across. So I think that is the difficult part 
um, at the moment, in, in my point of view, um, it's, you know, the question of, are your values the same? Um, and, you know, I was speaking to someone who's um, from Al Jazeera in the South African office, and, and they were saying, you know, it's, um, they still think that BBC has has the um, has the best um, content, but um, you know she would prefer to to work for for Al Jazeera because it um, it's a voice of the South. That's what they call themselves. But it's it's also about whether um, Africans can relate to what um, you know what um, the Chinese media values are. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I ahead, sorry to break in here. I think I would make it a distinction as well. I think there are fundamental differences in terms of, of um, you know, networks like CCTV or Xinhua that has, a, to a certain extent, a, a voice, a, a creation of content for that reflects the state in, in, in the Chinese state in different kind of complicated ways, and you know, expansion of things like like um, like Huawei. Because I think what what Huawei expansion does is it gives Africans the chance to express themselves. So I think you know, kind of the networks are built by Chinese companies, but the content being transmitted on those networks are very frequently, you know, largely African. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that, that you know, kind of the Chinese state necessarily gets much of a voice in there, except for, you know, the big planning kind of decisions, perhaps, you know, kind of the maybe, uh, you know, the, 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 the deployment of networks. But, you know, the, in terms of the data being sent back and forth on the networks, those are frequently Africans, you know, kind of getting the chance to express them themselves in different kinds of ways. Um, so in, the, in there, you, you, you're talking about a different level of engagement, some of which will have to do with China. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Chinese there need to find a way into the, even, into the network, even if they have, you know, built that network themselves. Yeah, and I have a very good friend of mine who, who is a senior official with CCTV in the United States. And one of the things that he said was, the, you know, the Chinese are playing the long game here. And this is something that's different than in the West. Uh, you know, Al Jazeera as well. They're building networks for the next 15 to 20 years. Uh, so, you know, we shouldn't necessarily judge them too harshly in what they've done in the past 18 months since they've launched. Uh, I, I have underestimated the Chinese on a number of occasions and been, you know, painfully wrong. And so one of the things that I see happening is, is they're adapting and they're, they're, they're really adapting very, very quickly. Yeah. If you look at CCTV America... Uh, and I have not been a fan of CCTV. I've made it clear on this podcast. I've written about it. I, I, I largely have thought of it as a joke. Uh, the, the English service, the domestic service is totally different. But the English services have been a joke. But yet, when you turn on CCTV America, it's a damn good news show. They've actually putting out a really good news show. And, and, and that's, you know, I, I'm surprised to even hear those words come out of my mouth. They did excellent uh, coverage of the U.S. elections. Uh, they've hired a lot of good journalists and a lot of good producers. And I think this goes to Cobus's point is that in the United States, they've done a very good job at adapting to the local market. Nobody's watching them still, fair enough. <laughs> Their audience numbers are probably, you know, smaller than my little Vietnamese TV station here. But nonetheless, uh, it shows that they are adapting. And from what I understand, there's a woman by the name of Ma Jing. And Ma Jing is running uh, CCTV News International. And everything, I've not met her. I don't know her personally. I've not spoken with her. But everything I hear about her is that she's young, she's ambitious, and she's aggressive. And, and, and part of what she's doing is, is, is molding these networks to the market conditions. So I think we're going to see some changes come out of the Chinese media in the next five to ten years that are going to look very different from today. Let me talk a little bit about Baidu because that's one that's very interesting. Uh, you know, and I'll throw this, this one to you, Yushan. 
The question of search results is, is a very sensitive issue. Uh, people look to Baidu in China and they type in, you know, you know, Dalai Lama, they type in Tibet, they type in, uh, you know, Tiananmen Square, and you can't get it. So do you think that when Baidu comes into, into Africa and with its tie-up with Orange, um, that that brand perception will, co- will follow them. Baidu's official line from Kaiser Guo, who's their international public relations uh, spokesperson, he says that they follow the local laws of the countries they operate in. So in China, they are not allowed to publish results on Tiananmen Square, but that's not necessarily the case in Nigeria or in Algeria. So do you think that Baidu has, has, has an opportunity to challenge Google in this market? Well, um, I'll be honest. I'm, <laughs> I'm not really sure. I guess my my main focus is the broadcast um, broadcast media, but um, I think I think so. If I look from um, so what I know about broadcast media and um, looking at this now is um, often I find that you know your your drive is more successful when you seemed as a third party to to an issue. So um, when you were talking about the U.S. elections and, uh, and CCTV, that you're more um, – it's, it's easier for you to, to cover a story that's not – when you're not directly involved in it. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I think we know that Africa is um, a growing consumer market and there is space for that as long as it's, um, I guess, affordable and accessible um, – but, yeah, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure about... Um, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Hey, Kobus, let me throw that one over to you. Do you think that, you know, these new Chinese brands, Tencent, WeChat, Baidu, that are coming in, uh, that, you know, they, are they considered new brands? Do you think that some of, their, some of their legacy issues from China will follow them? How do you think African consumers will respond to these new online brands? Um, I think it has the potential to to kind of to widen, uh, you know, the amount of services given to Africa, and for that, the you know, kind of people will probably be happy about that. I don't necessarily think that they that they would necessarily be seen as Chinese services. Um, you know, kind of, the, I think that they pretty much. I think Africans are used to to the idea, um, even if they don't articulate it necessarily that clearly, but they're used to the idea that that these services are owned in a very complicated corporate network kind of way. You know, kind of that, that, um, that who knows where these things come from. You know, kind of they're just flowing into Africa. If they're useful, people will use them. Um, mm. You know, so, you know, whether, you know, so, so MTN, for example, is a big player in Africa and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's owned in South Africa, but it has very complicated kind of business relationships with other places. Um, same thing with, you know, when um, if WeChat comes in, Naspash is one of its one of its kind of corporate, you know, sp- sponsors. It's South African, but it's complicatedly, re- you know, related to China. It's invested in Russia and so on. So, you know, more and more, I think people are just like, oh, it's coming from outside somewhere. You know, kind of if it manages to brand itself as an African brand, I think people will just use it if it's useful. Yeah, fair enough. And listen, yeah. when it comes to you know the monitoring and, and, and government data, certainly Google is not above that either. Obviously, they've been handing over information to the United States National Security Agency. So, you know, it's really tomato-tomato between the Chinese and, and Google. So final thoughts from and, you, Yushan, on this. Yeah, I would just also add that, um, um, as I was saying recently, we've, um, Kobus, you might um, have seen this as um, advertisements of WeChat in South Africa. And it's uh, Lionel Messi, the, um, the soccer player from the Barcelona Football Club. He's the one who's, um, you know, advertising the product. So um, actually, when I speak to the people here, they don't know that it's um, a product from China um, in partnership with 
a, a South African company. But isn't that the beauty of globalization mm. at the end of the day? I mean, it comes if it's good, yeah. people will kind of yeah. use it anywhere. But obviously, what we are going to see in the next, uh, at least the next two to three years, is is a dramatic change in the African media landscape, fueled in part uh, by both Chinese money and Chinese brands that are coming in the digital side, in the traditional side, in the newspaper, in the wire service. So it's v- it's multifaceted and very very interesting. So one of the things we'd like to hear from you about is what do you think? Do you watch CCTV? Do you listen to China? Radio International? Do you do you use Baidu, uh, Tencent, WeChat, China Daily, any of these? Uh, are you a, a top TV subscriber in South Africa? We'd like to hear from you on your impressions of the Chinese media. The best place to talk about it is on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash China Africa Project. Uh, Kobus and I are meeting that, mediating that every day. Cobus, uh, we're, we're updating almost on a 24-hour cycle given our different time zones. So if people are, I've gotten that a couple times asking me if I'm up 24 hours updating that, and they say, no, thank God, Cobus <laughs> is there. Um, so when, <laughs> once again, that's facebook.com slash China Africa Project. One of the other things that you'll notice from our Facebook page is that both Copas and I have thick skins, uh, and so we like it when you disagree with us. Tell us if you think we're complete morons and idiots for our points of view. So, uh, no, be nice to Ushan, but you can go ahead and uh, and, uh, and attack us all you want. But we love the debate and the discussion. So, uh, Ushan, one of the, the traditions that we do at the end of our show is we always want to recommend where people can follow you and what you're reading and what you're doing. What's the best place that people can find you on the interweb? Um, so again, um, I'd say thanks for reactivating my <laughs> my Twitter account. You can find me at Ishen underscore Wu, and of course, um, I'm at uh, the South African Institute of International Affairs, and we've just launched our, our new website. And um, as we've said before, that um, we have our own organization's um, Twitter Twitter account as well. And uh, Ushan is definitely one of the most interesting people out there in the China-Africa space, focusing on media issues, soft power, and uh, and also the Global Powers and Africa program at SIA. So that's uh, I, I highly, highly recommend you follow her. Also, Kobus, uh, if people want to follow what you're doing in addition to getting into arguments on Facebook, where's the best place for people to kind of see what you're reading and what you're writing? I'm also on Twitter at Stadenesk. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And you can find me on Twitter as well at E-O-Lander, E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. I'm tweeting the top China-Africa headlines almost every day. Uh, and, of course, if you want to follow our podcast, iTunes is by far the best way. And we would be so, so grateful if you could leave a comment for us uh, because it helps kind of surface our podcast in the Apple ecosystem. Uh, but you can also listen to us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and, of course, on the Black Berry Network, particularly in South Africa. So that'll do it for another edition of the China and Africa podcast. Uh, Until next time, thank you so much for listening.